And while they're making their way to Junior Church, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We're going to start reading with verse 14 this morning. Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into the bondage to sin. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. For I, do not pract- I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. But I am doing the very thing I do not wish. I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. I think all of us, if we were honest today, could identify with the Apostle Paul and what he's saying here. How many times have we struggled with a habit, a sin, uh, an addiction? Uh, Maybe it's a critical tongue. Maybe it's the area of depression. Maybe it's pride that creeps into our life. And if we're not careful, we begin to wonder, how can I truly be a Christian with this going on in my life? When, when, when we're involved in the struggle, I remember as a college student looking at my life and seeing some of the things that I was doing and wondering, was I really saved? Did, did I really mean it when I accepted Christ as my Savior? What, what was going on in, in my life? And if we're not careful, sometimes we're even tempted to give up on God because we read the promises. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, there's no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. And it goes on to say, God will with the temptation give us a way of escape. And yet that solution seems to elude us time after time. And we wonder, does God really mean that? Is, is his word really true? As we come to this passage, we're wrestling with the question, is there hope for those that struggle? I, I realize, and I think we need to remember, we're dealing here not with justification. We looked at that in chapter 4 and 5, where God has dealt with the penalty of our sin. He has removed that from us. We're looking at the area of sanctification here, where today God is delivering us from not the penalty of sin, but the power of sin in our life, and it's hold upon us here. And so Paul, as he reveals the struggle here for us, reveals first of all the source of that struggle. Why was he struggling? What was going on in his life and and heart and soul? He he is quick to remind us here that the problem is not the law of God. The problem is not the requirements of God. I I know we like to make excuses, and I know a lot of times we're tempted to blame God. Remember Adam in the Garden of Eden? What was the first thing he did? He said, Lord, 
it's the woman that you gave me. If you hadn't given me her, things would have been okay. But uh, he, he tried to shift the blame onto Eve, but in reality what he was trying to do is say, Lord, it's your fault. You did this. Uh, we, we make excuses. We, we look at our lives and say, well, that's just the way I am. Well, no, it isn't the way you are. It's the choices that you are making that you have to deal with in your life at this time. The law was given by the Spirit of God to, to direct a redeemed people. It was not given as a means of salvation. He, he never intended that to be the, the basis of their salvation there. But he did pronounce a blessing in Psalm 1 on those who would walk, not according to the counsel of the world, but according to the word of God. If we follow his word, we are blessed in our lives. The problem comes, Paul says, in that little phrase, I am of the flesh. I am still in the flesh. What he's talking about there is the sin nature that we saw back in chapter 4 there. We still wrestle with the sin nature. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I thought in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creation, a new creature there. Uh, and I, I had actually had a group of people that I was working with that claimed that a Christian could not sin because they had received a new nature. The old was gone. They, they couldn't sin. They, they could make mistakes, but uh, that, that was different than, than sin there. And, and they couldn't ask for forgiveness because then you're taking credit for what Satan's doing in you and through you. And uh, I, on, on one occasion, as they were trying to convince me of this, uh, they, they used that verse, we're, we're a new creature in Christ. And I, I, I have to give the Spirit of God credit for this because uh, I was frustrated with the, their theology and so forth. But all of a sudden, as they were quoting that verse, I just said, hey, wait a minute, what about your body? Are you in your resurrected body? And uh, they had to acknowledge that they weren't in their resurrected body. <laughs> so I said, what does it mean then when he says he makes all things new there? It, it's a process that we are involved in. And that process is going to continue until the day we're home with Jesus Christ in glory. The struggle will be there. But praise the Lord, there'll be victories along the way as well. We need to remind ourselves our responsibility is to yield to God. Not to yield to the old nature, not to yield to sin, but to yield ourselves in Romans chapter 6 to righteousness there. So that brings us to the struggle. Paul shares his experience here. Uh, very few details, and I think there's a reason for that. So often when we get carried away with the details, we glorify ourselves. And we, we need to be careful in, in that area. It, it's not about us, it's about God and what he is able to do in our lives. And then I think he leaves a lot of the details out because, let's face it, you and I, if we're not careful, we like to compare trials. You know, if, if, if we're in the hospital it's worse for us than it is for somebody else. Uh, we, we, we always want to come out of it looking the, best, the, the most important there. Uh, Paul doesn't give us that opportunity. Uh, we could say, well, you know what? That was okay for Paul. But look at, look at the trials I'm going through. They, they, they were greater than Paul's. No, God doesn't give us that opportunity here. 
Uh, and so we don't, we don't have the specifics. But uh, it seems as if he was powerless in some ways to change, to conform, uh, even though he desired to do so. And yet, we shouldn't be discouraged by that. As Paul looked at that, he, he, it was a sign to him, first of all, I believe, that he was a child of God. You ever notice the world can sin without really bothering them a lot? They don't struggle with that. A child of God, on the other hand, uh, uh, you, you tell a lie and guess what happens? The Holy Spirit starts to convict and you feel miserable about it. The people in the world, they can tell a lie and just go right on and not give it a second thought. So, so the very fact that he was in the midst of the struggle was an indication that he was a child of God. And so we don't want the struggle to discourage us and keep us from God. It may be an indication that God is at work in our hearts and our lives. So let's look at the scope of the struggle here in 20 through 23. How serious were these issues? Paul gives us three thoughts here. First of all, he says, sin dwells where? Sin dwells within me. He's talking about the old nature there. It was not eradicated when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. As a matter of fact, we need to go back to the beginning of the chapter. We, remember, we looked at the marriage illustration. A woman was bound to her husband for how long? Until one or the other died. Yeah, the, uh, and I realized some people said, hey, that's not fair. Uh, the woman didn't have the right to divorce. The man did, but the woman did. But that was reality in Paul's day. And I'm not going to go back and try and make it fair uh, 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 and change the way they, they viewed things back then. But if you notice in that illustration, the one who died was the woman. It wasn't the husband. She, she was the one who died. And in a sense, she pictures us. We died with Christ. Romans chapter 6, the opening verses says, when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were raised to walk in newness of life there. So it's important for us to remember that we were the ones that died in that case. The old sin nature is still alive. And it still wants to have its claim and, and its hold upon us there. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, gives us a very insightful phrase there. He said, I die daily. Ever thought about that? I die daily. He's recognizing the fact that that battle is there day after day after day. And that each day and maybe many times throughout the day, we have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm dead to that. I'm choosing to live for Jesus Christ. I'm alive to you today. Paul was well aware of that struggle, and he was willing to surrender that, to yield that to God, in a sense to die daily to himself and to that old nature there. It would be great if it was a once-for-all battle. And there are some areas where we, we find that to be true. Uh, there have been people that have struggled for years with uh, maybe an alcohol addiction, and then they accept Christ as Savior, and suddenly the battle's over. God takes the desire away. There are other people that that battle continues the, the rest of their life. It, it, it stays with them. Uh, the old nature does not give up willingly. 
The second thing Paul says here is, I concur with God in verse 16. He uses that word twice here. He uses it in verse 16, and he uses it in verse 22. The word that he uses is a very strong word in Greek. When he says, I concur, it means I strongly agree. And not only strongly agree, but it also carries the idea of I joyfully agree. I, I joyfully agree that God is right, that his word is best for me. It, it expresses a deep desire to live for Jesus Christ, a deep desire to, to live for God. And that takes place, he said, in the heart, in the inner man here. In Second Corinthians, uh, you're going to have a couple of scriptures put up there. Let's, let's skip to the next one there. Second Corinthians 4, 16. Uh, he says, therefore, do not lose heart, for though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. The inner man is being renewed. He said, at verse 17 and 18, I'm going to throw in there with that. A momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And if you have any trials going on in your life, and if you have some affliction today, did you notice what he said there? He said, that's, that's light affliction. Because he said in verse 18, we look not at the things which are, but at the things which are to be seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The struggle sometimes seems to overwhelm us. And yet Paul said it's nothing compared to what God has in glory for us. Well, we, we need to keep that focus, I think, in the back of our minds. And if, if we have that thought in the back of our minds, then we can joyfully agree with God. We can joyfully allow God to work in our lives. And the third thing he says here is the struggle is won or lost, I believe, in our mind. That's where the battle is taking place today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul said, I want you, he's revealing the weapons of our warfare and so forth there. He says, you need to bring every thought into captivity for Jesus Christ. The battle is won or lost in, in the mind. And we need to recognize that that's where the spiritual battle is taking place. If, if we're defeated in our thinking and in our mind, then it will come out in our actions. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says we are to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. That We, we need to focus on, on, on that area. That's good advice for us, because when temptation comes, the place to defeat it is not after it becomes an action. It's when that thought is still there. It was, uh, I believe, Mark Twain that's talking about anger said, when angry, count to ten. Ever tried to do that? And, and then he said, when very angry, count to a hundred. What, what was his thought there? He's saying, take some time and think it through. Is it really worth lashing out at somebody? Is it really worth losing your temper over this particular incident there? If we can control it at that point, before it becomes an act, it's much easier to deal with than if, if we allow it to become an act in our life. The, the struggle begins, and it is either won or lost in, in the mind. Well, that leads to the solution here. Notice his conclusion. He comes down to verse 24. He says, wretched man that I am. In that 
little phrase is the idea, I'm tired of the struggle. I've struggled. I fought this battle. It, it keeps coming back. Uh, we, can, we can understand his frustration there. Have you ever been there yourself? You, you just get tired. You get weary of, of the struggle. The same temptations, the, the, the same stumbling and falling and so forth. And you wonder, where in the world can I ever find help in this? Praise the Lord. There is hope. Praise the Lord, we have someone that is able to help us in the midst of the struggle. Notice what he says in verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Is there victory possible today? Yes, it is. It is possible as we yield ourselves to Jesus Christ, as we surrender to him. Remember, the work of sanctification is the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. He is able to do what we cannot do ourselves. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 15 and 16 there, he says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. You ever feel all alone when you're tempted? You ever feel as if nobody understands or, or nobody even cares? Here is one that was tempted in the very same way, yet without sin. And then notice, as he says that, the writer of Hebrews says, Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy, and we may find grace to help in time of need. He overcame that temptation. He struggled with the enemy of his soul and was victorious. And now he comes to us and says, You can't but I can, and I'm there for you. I'm there to, to walk through these battles with you, through these struggles. He is the one that makes it possible for us to experience victory as we go. Now, as we think about that, it's a process. Don't you wish that suddenly you were completely changed, no longer struggling with temptation, no, no longer any failures in your life? You, you ever get frustrated with the battle? I need, we need to realize sanctification is a growth process. As, as he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we are being changed from glory to glory. God is at work, and I think we need to give him credit for, for that work today. Paul said in Philippians 3, I'm not perfect yet. He said, I haven't arrived. I, I'm not all I should be, but he said, I do what? I press on. I'm pressing on, looking forward to the day when I hear the call of God calling me home and the battle will finally be over there. I think we need to take some time as we walk through this life and celebrate the fact that we are being transformed from glory to glory. We're not the same as we were a year ago. We're not the same as we were 10 years ago. God has been working in our lives, and, and we need to thank the Lord for each one of those steps uh, along the way. You ever look out? You can't look out there now. They've got it all closed up there. <laughs> you ever think, how long is that going to take? That's a, a big building, and it's a, it's a long process there. Uh, we had something to celebrate yesterday. We had... I, I couldn't even get a count. I think we had 15 men here and, and, and young people helping us there. And uh, in, in one day, we got all of the rafters up. 
Well, it's not finished yet. We still got to get the roof on it. We, we, we still got to finish the inside, but can we celebrate the fact that we're one step closer to, to being done? And, and can you envision somewhere down the road moving in there and, and enjoying that new facility? We, we, we do that in a natural way. I, I think we need to do it in a spiritual way. If God gives us a victory, celebrate it. Thank the Lord for that victory. And, and uh, yes, there, there are areas where he's still chipping away and working on. But take some time and just focus on what has God been doing in your life? How has he been changing you? How has he been transforming you? What, what victories have you seen along the way? You know, sometimes we read the history of Israel, the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy there. Uh, you ever get discouraged when you read the, those books? You see them over and over again. They fall flat on their face. And yet what we forget, if we're not careful when we read through that, is these are just a few of the events that touched their life. How long were they in the wilderness? Forty years. How much do we know of what took place in those 40 years? How many victories did they have along the way? How many days did God provide their needs? How many times did he send water when they thought things were hopeless there? How many times did he defeat their enemies along the way? And we, we, we look at the struggles, and the struggles are real, but we forget the victories. God worked for 40 years in their life, and, and they had so much to, to praise the Lord. For a matter of fact, a whole lot of the Psalms wouldn't be available if they hadn't gone through that, because uh, out of it came the testimony of, of what God did for his people there. And I, and I would encourage you today to realize that you have been tremendously blessed of God. Yes, there are struggles. The struggles is because God is taking us from one measure of glory to the next, from one level to the next. The battle will continue until we're home with Jesus Christ in glory. But praise the Lord, he places at our disposal the resources that we need to win the battle. One step at a time. He doesn't ask us to win it all in one day. He, he brings a test into our life, and all we have to do is face that, that one test today. Uh, he died, we died with him so that we can be raised to walk in newness of life. As we submit to his headship, to his lordship now, Second Corinthians chapter 2 becomes a reality in verse 14 where he says, God causes us always to walk in triumph. Victory is possible. As we walk with Jesus Christ, one step at a time, he brings that victory into our lives. It's good sometimes to remember where we came from because it reveals what God has actually done in our hearts and our lives. And we need to celebrate those times. How has he changed your life? How has he conformed you more to the image of Jesus Christ? So often, I don't know about you, but I... When I work on a project, I enjoy a little bit of woodworking. I'm not professional by any means at it, but I once in a while I like to work on a project there. And, you know, I can finish that project, and it can be all done, and I turn it over to whoever I made it for. And you know what I see? All the faults. <laughs> I could have done this better. I, 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 yeah, I, I could, have, could have done it this way and so forth. Rather than celebrating the, the finished product, I look at the faults. 
And if we're not careful, we do that with God. God's at work in our life. God is transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. And we look at the things where we've messed up and we forget what God has been doing in our lives. We need to give him the credit and the glory that is due his name. Years ago, it was popular to wear one of those pins that had all that long line of initials on it. It started with PBPW. It stands for, please be patient with me. God is not finished yet. We need to remember that. God is at work in our lives, and we need to cooperate with him. Philippians 1.6, he which hath begun a good work in you will do what? Perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Did he start a work in you? When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he began a work of transformation in your heart and life. And he is not going to finish with you until you're home with him in glory. When you see him face to face, you're going to be like him. Today you're involved in the struggle, in the process, in the changes that are taking place. What should be our response to that? I think first of all, we should stop making excuses. Don't just say, this is just the way I am. This is the way God made me. No, God's in the business of recreating you into the image of Jesus Christ. Don't explain away wrong behavior. Face it, confess it, deal with it, and then say, Lord, give me the strength. Give me the help that I need to take the next step to the glory of Jesus Christ. And then as you do that, celebrate the progress. Thank God for what he's done. Thank God for the, the, the way in which he's changed you and, and is making you into the image of Jesus Christ. And then if there's an area where that struggle and battle has been there for a long time, maybe you need to just stop and surrender to God in that area. Turn it over to him and let him change your life in that area. You, you may not be able to do it. You don't have the strength to do it. But praise the Lord, you know the one who does. And he's able to step into your life and bring that victory in his time and his way. So, so surrender it to him. That's what he was saying back in chapter 6. Remember, there's things we, we need to know. We need to count them true. And then we need to yield those areas to God. So are you willing to do that? Let's bow just for a moment of silent prayer as, as we wrestle with this. Because I have a feeling, if you're like me, you can identify with Paul at this step in his journey. You're struggling with some area. Do you need today in prayer to say, Lord, I'm tired of the struggle. I just want to submit this area to you, and I'm asking you for your help to overcome this area in my life. Yield it to him. And watch what he's able to do. So take that area and bring it to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you today that you care about us enough that you're changing us. You're working in our hearts and lives and conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, each of us may face a different battle. For some, it may be pride. For others, it may be a critical spirit. For others, it may be anger. For others, it may be a besetting sin. 
We thank you that none of this overwhelms you, that you, as we come before your throne of grace, are able to give us the help to face the struggle of today and be victorious. So we ask for your help and your grace in our time of need today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, it's our privilege this morning to have Austin Robinson with us. He's been here, what, two years now or three? And uh, he comes from Mexico. He's been serving there with Eternal Anchor, and so he's going to share.